Master Performance Coach, International Speaker, Podcast Host and Author. Known as the Can Do Coach, I thrive on enabling leaders to step up, shake it off and shine. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode of The Can Do Way, I'm delighted to be talking to a longtime friend of mine, Nikki East, who's co-founder, marketing and brand extraordinaire for authors and a book addict. Now, Nikki has been working in the shadows within the periphery of the publishing industry for more than 10 years. She's assisted numerous authors with promotions, building websites, proofreading, branding, and much more. Co-founder of Hull Noir and Spellbound Books, Nikki has hosted Noir at the Bar in both her hometown of Hull as well as in London where she lives. She chaired a panel of super talented authors at Newcastle Noir and along with her son George, and helped coordinate logistics for Boucheron 2017 in St. Petersburg, Florida. Essentially, Nikki loves books and being around people who love books. A self-confessed chatterbox, Nikki listens deeply to help her clients achieve their ideal outcomes. Welcome to the show today, Nikki. Thank you. I wonder it's who lo- you were talking about then. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> lovely to it's lovely to have you on the show. And you're my final guest for 2022. So this is the Christmas show that uh, for everybody to be listening to. So first, let's take a short walk through your life. If you can give the listeners just a glimpse of your background and what really drives your passion for the work that you deliver today. My background, flipping out, right? Okay, anything beginning with pub really so (laughs) if we're going down the work route it's um public administration so I did a degree in that I worked in the health service as a data quality manager so anything public admin I've always worked in pubs since I was 18 part-time even when I had my full-time job in the health service I used to do part-time in pubs overnight just because I enjoyed it then when I had my son I went full-time into pubs and became a licensee and then still do pubs now <laughs> and then and so they won't end up going back into pubs again but in the meantime I've discovered my love of I rediscovered my love of books there was a long time where I didn't read where I was just too busy and then I just started reading again I don't know how long ago years ago and um and then ended up in the publishing world um and got to know quite a lot of authors and things like that and and then started just found that I had these transferable skills which I didn't even realize were transferable it was an agent who pointed them out to me and said if I lived in London I could get paid to do that and I was like "Ooh, is that an actual thing and so yeah so basically I'm quite a good facilitator I always know because I'm a chat box I get to know loads of different people 
And then I go, oh, you need to speak to them. Oh, oh, you need to speak to them. You know, when people start telling me where they're at within publishing game. And I was real good at putting people together and matching them up. Apparently you get paid for that, which I never did. <laughs> <laughs> Missed a trick on that one. But, um, yeah, and so then I just ended up, um, taught myself how to just build websites and stuff like that. And, yeah, just got into it that way, really. And because I'd got to know so many people before they had books out, like the wannabe authors, and a lot of them now are actually really, really prolific authors and very um, successful and it's like, oh, I know them, and you know, and I still know them, and so I see them at like crime fiction festivals and stuff like that. And that's kind of every year I get to see them, but then you get to meet new ones, mm-hmm. and you get more contacts and get to know wider, you know, realm of people. It's how I got to meet Samira, you know, my partner. So yeah. Fantastic. My background, anything to do with pubs. Anything to do with pubs. And and what a great way of summarising what you've done in your life, you know, from public service through the pub work and as that's continuing, as you said, into the publishing world now. So where do you think you found that driving you? What, What gave you that appetite for being somebody who was very curious and adventurous? Because you've really transformed through three very different parts of life. You know, the public service might seem to a lot of people, it's very, um, you did your degree, it was very a controlled environment, and yet then you stepped into the world of pub work where you're outward and you're able to use your wonderful personality that you have, and then publishing is being very, very creative. Where did that curiosity be inspired from? I don't know. I think I've always been quite a creative person, but I do like to be an organised person as well. So I'm kind of a bit of a left and right brain person. I'm a Libra. I think I'm just like that balance person. You know, I need to have this, but I like to have that as well. I also, I do like rules, but I like bending them. I don't necessarily break them, but I do like bending them. Because, you know, that's just, it's, and I've always been like that since it's just something that's in me. Um yeah, so I think that's kind of where it what where it kind of came from, and then that I just have that outlet with the books. It just kind of it wasn't something I was looking for. It was just something that kind of happened. It was a it was a serendipitous, you know. It was like my favorite word, serendipity. You know that fortunate accident. I love it. So like that's kind of where the publishing world. Yeah, that's how that happened for me. It was serendipitous. I think beautiful and it. I, it's one of my favourite words too, Nikki, you know, and I think when we met on the plane and, you know, when you were sitting that row behind us, that's how that's how we met all those years ago exactly, when we were right? on our way to Romania and um, and we, we connected and we've been friends ever since and, again, that was one of those serendipitous moments. So, yeah. And I love the fact on that... our way to kill vampires. Exactly. We were, weren't we, in the snow? <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's that curiosity, that that real drive, and that's that can-do mindset that is such a key feature of this podcast and the guests that I've had previous to you as well. And it's that, where does that come from? But it's allowing it to reveal itself, as you said, and the curiosity just stems from doing things and, and meeting people and allowing your brain to get into that place that really where the magic happens. But, you know, through the changes. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. 
as you've moved through the changes you've done, moving through the different lines of work, what what kinds of challenges have come up for you? Because they are very different in structure to each one. And and what what challenges may you have faced and, and how did you actually overcome them? I think it depends on your definition of a challenge. Okay. So, like, I think what some people might think is a challenge, I just think, well, that's just, yeah, well, obviously that was going to be there, you know, so that was like you just got to figure out a way around it. So I'm quite, um, if it's something I want to do, <clears throat> I am like a dog with a bone. So I am quite... Um, persistent and when I, when I um, <clears throat> had a pub once I had a, a young guy who was a manager for me and uh, my little right hand I say little right hand man he was about six foot 47 <laughs> he was huge but he was like lurch but um, he always used to say persistence overrides resistance right and I love it and I still use it now and that's from like 25 years ago and persistence overrides resistance is like a really good way to think and and just like perseverance is your key, really. Um, I think if if I do something and it doesn't work, I figure out a different way to do it, you know. But and I'm quite a pragmatic person, so I do kind of look at that direct way of doing something to start with. Um, I'm quite organised, generally, generally, <laughs> not all the time, but generally speaking, I like to be organised. But um, I just have to wear, figure out a way to get through stuff and my, my my brain likes that it's like I like puzzles I like crime fiction I like to know who did it you know a mystery and that's I suppose how I kind of see challenges if it's something that's massive and it can be a bit overwhelming I think it's best to kind of bring it down to them bite size mm-hmm. and then I just kind of chip away at it knowing that I'm going to get ultimately I'll figure it out and the more I chip away at it the more my brain just kind of like or even if I talk about it like I could just talk to my partner about a challenge he doesn't have to say anything I just have to talk at him (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it just has to be there (laughs) or I just talk to myself out loud and if anybody's (laughs) wandering by they just think she's a bit mad but I'm not bothered about that I just know that I'll figure out a way to do something and you know what it might not always work out but at least I know the answer to the to my question, so as one, my dad's always said to me since very young is don't don't ever have any what ifs. So you go, well, what if I'd done that? What if I'd done it that way? Would that have worked out? And it's like, well, just try it. If it don't work out, I know the answer. No, that don't work. But what if I try it this way? Will that work out? And if it works out, you go, oh yeah, that works. Mm. And so. That either way, I'll know the answer, whether it's no, it doesn't work, or yes, it does work. At least I've done it, and I won't be wondering about it, you know, whether I've done everything I could possibly do. So, you know, it's just like when you're trying to find something, they're always in the last place you look. Well, of course they are, because you found them, you know, and that's like that's like an obvious thing. But it's the same with, like, you figure something out, oh, it's always the last thing you try. Well, of course it is, because you've worked it out now. Mm. Mm. You know, so it's the same kind of thing, really. You just got to keep trying until something clicks. Definitely, definitely. I think and the process of elimination, really. I it think is. Your brain, your brain does that process of elimination thing. It goes, well, if it can't be that and can't be that, well, then we'll narrow this right down. It's probably going to be this one then. Mm-hmm. And you went your bets. Yes. And just go for it. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. I really think the listeners would take away from that. You, you mentioned 
two ways of reframing your approach toward what a challenge is. You know, you reframed your view of how you approach it to start with. So you don't necessarily see challenges as other people do, but you actually go, well, this challenge is a learning point for me. And the other one is reframing that what if. So rather than having what ifs, as your dad said to you, don't have what ifs in your life, but you reframe those what ifs for what if I try it this way? what can happen and then as you said normally the solution will work itself out and if it doesn't you can say well what if I try it another way and you will get to that solution I think those are key are key points to for the listeners to take away so you know you talk about you talked in your introduction as well about um that move from your hometown of Hull down to London because you were inspired by the conversations you'd been having with people about, wow, you can get paid for those skills, those transferable skills that you hadn't realised that you had. How did you frame or reframe that approach? You know, it would have been a different experience for you moving from Hull and moving to London. If you could talk us through that a bit and what you've learned about yourself as a result of that move. Um, Well, when I was at north I was in a relationship as well so it was a very different situation when I came to London I wasn't in a relationship anymore it was just me and my son who was at university um both living in house shares separate house shares because that's all we could all we could afford under the circumstances and and I went back into the pub game because basically if I couldn't get a job in a pub then there was something definitely wrong so I was in the um I'm still in the pub game, but um, I I was around people. Obviously, this was pre-pandemic as well, so because um, I've been in London over six years now. So I was able to go to all the book events and things like that, <clears throat> which was great because, you know, I'd finish work and then just go to the West End and go to a book launch and things. Like, and that was fantastic because there were things that just happened occasionally when I was visiting London and something happened to be on, so we would go to it. But then it was a case of, well, I can just go to all of these. And because I still kind of was in the loop, um, yeah, it was a bit strange at first, especially being on my own because my ex had been an author. But, um, yeah, that soon passed and everybody was like, oh, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And it, that's how come George and I ended up going to Bouchcon. You pronounced it wrong, by the way. It's not Bouchcon. It's Bouchcon. And it's a massive, massive crime fiction festival in North America, so USA and Canada. Changes location every year. And, um, yeah, so George and I got invited to go over there to basically help with logistics. And uh, we went out to Florida and did all that. And it was just fantastic. And so I think just being brave and I went back to something I knew. Obviously, I was in the pub game, but I ended up going from a part-time barmaid to a manager within like two minutes. So I'm running a pub. But I was able to then go to all these book things and extend all my um contacts and and just totally network and that's how I knew Samira um on social media because she is social media queen she's all over it (laughs) but and I used to be on it more primarily because I just had more time you know then all of a sudden I had more time on my hands but then we physically met for the first time and I had George with me and she had one of her children with her and we physically met at a book uh, event at Goldsboro Books in the West End and it was just like, oh, no, no way, we finally meet in person. And that was it and we just hit it off 
And from there, we just like became super close. Turns out she'd got a job that I'd gone for in the publishing industry. She got it and I never. And I said, well, you stole my job. And so, <laughs> but, you know, like we, so we just got on like a house on fire and then we just obviously remained friends and now we're business partners and we've set up our own publishing house. And a lot of that was to do with the fact that Samira had been diagnosed with cancer. She had um, bowel cancer and essentially we decided well, you know, let's just, we were going to set up like an author services to start with, where I would do the websites and little things that I dabbled with before we were going to just utilize what skills we had, because we complement each other very well on the skills front, as as well as personalities, mm-hmm. our, our skills complement each other very well. And um, so between us, we make a whole very rounded individual who knows what they're doing. <laughs> Independently, not so much. Um, but, yeah, so we decided to do that. And then it was coming towards, and then lockdown happened. And it was like, uh And then we had all this. I was furloughed. Samira was at home. Um, and her husband was working from home. She's got four children and they're all schooling from home, mm-hmm. all different ages and things. So, yeah, basically it was all like, right, so now what? <laughs> and then um, we basically said, well, do you know what? Why don't we just do, we'll publish a book. We'll do we'll do a book when we raise money for PPE for the NHS. And so that's what we decided to do. And between us, we got in touch with all kinds of um established authors new authors wannabe authors and asked for like short stories and we put together a whole book and we called it the c word because obviously covid cancer mm-hmm. um samira swears a lot <laughs> like all these sort of things and uh yeah we just went with the c word and we put together this book and all of that or every time we sell one of those it all goes to an nhs charity but from that that was spellbound it was just another serendipitous moment it was just born it was like right let's do a publishing house then this was fun wow so yeah what a journey and what a transformational (laughs) journey you know some people um I've spoken to before would have said that 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 change that transition from where you've known in your familiar zone your comfort zone to stepping into say London now being outside your comfort zone was quite a challenge for them to be able to start to thrive or let alone survive first and then start to thrive but you seem to have dived in and you've just allowed one thing to happen and then got into the flow of moving into the pub, being able to go to your the book launches in the West End and then meeting the people you have. So you've just really embraced the whole adventure of moving from Hull to London mm. and all that yeah. it has offered you now that you have this wonderful business um, called Spellbound Books, which is now published, as you said to me before the call today, Nikki, you've published about 80 books this year. So you really, mm-hmm. you really have that strong can-do drive, you and Samira together, but on this occasion, this is your story today. And it's really a really great way to, I think, end the year with my show, but also to give that boost to my listeners just to say, you know, you can find this in yourself. Sometimes Absolutely. we restrict ourselves from allowing ourselves to just go with the flow and you're a perfect example of somebody who's just gone you know what, I'm going to grab life 
by with both hands, and I'm going to see where it takes me. Um, yeah, I, yeah. You I mentioned bravery. Yeah, I do think you just. It's not so much. It's. Um, I think that you can put restrictions on yourself. Mm. I think. I think a lot of people, especially women, especially women, because you're a mom or you're a daughter or you're a wife or a girlfriend or whatever, you know. And it's like you lose your own identity, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of. Um, that's an issue in itself, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that we allow other people to put restrictions on us as well and yeah. society to put restrictions on us. And then we reinforce them ourselves. And other women reinforce them on you as well, which, you know, like other women supporting women would be brilliant. You know, we would definitely be running everything. If that wouldn't <laughs> be the case. We would run everything. So, you know, like that it's in itself is is problematic but you need to see beyond that and you need to just be brave and just realize your own potential realize your best life I think one of the things that really made a difference was lockdown weirdly in this country we were locked down solidly I was living in a shared house but we didn't have like shared areas other than mm. the kitchen and really. mm. um, but we used to just like are you going to message you are you going in the kitchen I won't go in the kitchen you know so I literally was on my own and that was actually the first time ever in my whole life where I've not had to be worried about getting to work every day and worried about you know paying my bills and things because I was furloughed I was lucky enough to be furloughed and um, so my bills were paid and I didn't have to didn't have anything to do because mm. I couldn't well out you were allowed to do anything so it gave me that time to actually reflect on my whole life and all the things that have happened to me good and bad and where I was at mm-hmm. and then also because my son was had graduated by then and he was living with his partner and everything else and they were all they were settled and and self-sufficient as well mm. it kind of like was like well Right, so I'm kind of redundant on that front now. <laughs> I do, you know, not like he doesn't need his mum. We have a brilliant relationship, but it's a case of he doesn't need me, mm-hmm. you know, like to do anything for him. So it was like, right, so what do I want to be when I grow up then? You know, like, and that is the thing, is that it's the what do you want to be when you grow up? And it is that question that you need to ask yourself as an adult, what do you want to be now? What is it you would love to be? Yes. And it was actually you who got me into the digital gypsy idea when we were in Transylvania and you said about that. And that that phrase has been <laughs> buzzing or bouncing around in my head ever since I met you. And and everybody I met would go, well, what do you want to, you know, what do you want to do? I want to be a digital gypsy. I just don't know how. <laughs> I just don't know how I'm going to do that yet. And that is that has been the thing. It's like I want to be a digital gypsy, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can do that. Mm-hmm. And and so really, the whole time I've been in London, that has been in the back of my head. But I've been like, well, how do I do it? And then when Samira and I obviously, were, and then we were talking about, oh, well, why don't we set up this? I was thinking, hmm, that could work. I could be a digital. And she went, I want to be a digital gypsy as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to be one first. So, so you, you know, need to trademark that. that name. <laughs> so it's the case of like, that was the thing. It was the digital gypsy thing that was like, 
that will suit me fine because I have family in Australia. My son is going to live wherever he's going to live, you know, when as his life progresses. Yeah. And I want to be able to see everybody. But I need to work because I love working and I like doing what I'm doing, but I like to be independent and I like to be self-sufficient and, you know, so I need to tick all these boxes. And, yeah, it was just, it all kind of, like, that all sort of came together. And it was like, oh, this is actually possible. I, I, without thinking, you know, like, I've always had this thing, how am I going to do it, how am I going to do it? Then all of a sudden something came on and it was like the two maps might match up so yeah that's that's kind of you just gotta go for it haven't you <laughs> and the digital gypsy was born and she's thriving and it's wonderful wonderful yeah. story and I love that <laughs> I love that deep reflection that you uh have shared with the listeners as well because it's it's so vital because as you say it's what do I want to be when I grow up now that I'm an adult? And now you you yeah. are that you are that living and breathing digital gypsy that you aspired to be all those years ago and you're making it happen. So yeah, I'm getting there. To, I'm getting there. You are indeed. You are indeed. I'd love you to share now your your three can-do tips with our listeners. What would you like mm. to leave them with? I wrote something down because I've been thinking about this. Okay. Um, right. So I think. The first one would be to be honest with yourself. I think that um, that's really super important because too many people tell us too many things, I think, and, and it's just a case of you just need to sort of step back and and do that whole what do I want to be, you know, when I grow up thing. But you need to do it about yourself, not, oh, what about my kids and what about this and what about that. You need to. You need to be really true with yourself, look inside yourself. And that is a case of going somewhere quiet, no interruptions. This is a case of, right, if all of this didn't exist and I was on my own, and that is how I physically did find myself, My that's my story. Mm. But I think that regardless of whether you've got loads of people in your life or whether you are physically on your own or whatever you need to actually be truthful with yourself and go what do I want to do because that was one of the other things my dad has always said to me is that's and that is to do with the what ifs is when you're on your deathbed you don't want to go well what if I what if I had gone for it mm -hmm. what if I had done this what would my life have been like then well do I have those what ifs mm -hmm. find out and that's the only way to find out is by doing it. There was one point in my life when I thought, what if I want to, um, I want, I want to book my own pub, you know? I got my own pub. I ended up with a business bankruptcy. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I still did it, and I yes. know the answers to the question. Yes. And that's the point. It doesn't always work. But I've done it. I've got some brilliant stories <laughs> from it. And, you know, and I'm still here. So it's a case of I think you've just got to be really honest with yourself and decide what it is you want to do. And it is never too late to then just try and do it. Mm -hmm. Because part of the fun of it all is doing something that you really like doing. So I, although I'm not financially um, independent through what I'm wanting to do, I'm not a full digital gypsy yet, I am on that road to being a digital gypsy. Mm -hmm. And that 
is that's the fun bit because I'm doing stuff I like doing. Fantastic. So, Number two. Yeah. Oh, let's have a look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of it's kind of links. I've kind of t- touched on that really. It's about being clear about what it is you want to do because if you're not clear about what it is you the end result is then you're going to go down numerous paths and they're not the right one do you know what I mean so you'll be going oh maybe go down here and you're just going to be wandering around it's just like a spaghetti junction rather than a straight line and like I mean all paths are a bit you know my life has very much been the country windy road kind of a life it's not been a straightforward motorway kind of life Mm -hmm. but um I think you need to just be clear of what it is you want so that you know which direction you want to go in and what you want to grow in. Good. Love it. Love it. And the third one? Just always believe that you can be anything that you put your mind to because actually you're a lot stronger than you think you are. And unless... So, I mean, some people are very lucky and they're not put into extreme circumstances so they don't have to test themselves like that and I think in some ways that allows you to have security and everything else which is wonderful but it doesn't allow you to learn what sort of metal you've got yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas when you are put into situations which test you and I mean really test you Mm -hmm. that's when you learn what you're made of for sure you know and I yeah. think you've got to believe in yourself you've got you have two choices in life though this is me this is my mum's family this is good old Yorkshire saying you got two choices you can lay down and die or you can get up and get on with it and that is basically what everything boils down to so are you going to be a lay down and die person and not do anything or mm-hmm. are you going to get up and get on with it and even if you get on with it in tiny half fairy steps you are still moving in the right direction and that his goal was always always got to be a positive indeed indeed and that wonderful Yorkshire saying from your mum's family really sums up that can-do attitude and why it's so essential but is there anything else you would say to the listeners today from the from the digital gypsy um what what really do you feel makes that can-do attitude absolutely essential I think you just oh I think without it you you Flying blind, really, for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Because I think having a can-do attitude and being positive, it kind of it's it's really strange because when you actually start believing things, it's like manifestations. You know, a lot of people think mm-hmm. about manifestations and think, yeah, whatever. But it actually that whole um dream believe achieve attitude, really. And it is like what do you dream about? What is it you really want? Look inside yourself. Be true with yourself. What is it you want? Right, okay. And then, yeah, I deserve that. I'm going to go for that. And then and you start, your brain, Do it. it's like a switch um, flicks, you know, like in your brain. It's like it, it, it's, you just end up, things start to happen. It's like the, I am a big believer in the universe goes, oh, now you're ready. Yes. <laughs> and yes. goes, there you go then. And, like, and then, like, 
plunk something in your ear like with me it was like Samira I met physically met Samira and it was and we just like that got on perfectly and it was mm-hmm. like okay so that was like the start of that one it was like mm. and she's just um and then we kind of like do it to each other I suppose in as much mm-hmm. as we go right just if we think like this and if one of us does feel down or anything the other one is usually super positive and goes hang on a minute <laughs> you know you are allowed to have down days but generally speaking we we're like no, nah, we can do this. Yeah, why can't we do this? We've seen other people do it. They're no different to us. Let's crack on. And and then we just sort of regroup and go for it again. And you just, you know, that it's again that perseverance and just believing. Why why can't you do it? Fantastic. There's no reason why you can't. That's that's a fantastic way to bring our chat to a close today. And you know. Being you've, you're leaving the listeners on such a such a high note um, for the end of Oops, 2022, uh. and your digital gypsy story, the transformation you've shared. But I think just leaving the listeners with those last three words you shared about dream, believe, and achieve. So I just want to say thank you so much, Nikki, for being my guest on the Can Do Way today. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Can Do Way. Do you live and breathe the can-do attitude? Since 2019, my podcast has gifted listeners across the globe access to an incredible selection of guests with stories to refresh your perspective, bring you joy and inspire can-do positivity. Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be a guest on my weekly show. If you have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience or an intriguing story to share, then drop me an email at gailmgibson.com. Until next week's show, do share the inspiration of the Can Do Way podcast with your friends, colleagues and clients and wherever you are listening from in the world. Remember to make every day an amazing can-do day.